Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie Cassidy. And today we have a good friend of the show on. We are speaking with Jennifer Bushman, and we're looking at the current situation. We haven't yet really addressed the global pandemic that is COVID-19 that we're all dealing with and is causing this massive disruption across industries all over the world. And we are talking about how the seafood industry is reacting to that. And the way that we're doing that is looking at it through the lens of a campaign that kind of spearheaded called the No Show Fish Show. And she is basically just finding ways to keep people talking, keep people engaged. You know, when Cena was postponed and some of the other, a lot of the other seafood shows have been postponed or canceled, people still need to have meetings. They still need to talk. We need to be in communication and make sure that the industry gets out of this okay. And she's doing a, um, she's doing some fantastic work. And I'm proud to say that we're doing fantastic work and I'm happy with everything that's going on. So that's what we talk about with Jen. Let's get into it. All right. Actually, one thing that I did want to mention, we don't talk about BAP too much because we don't just focus on our own products. But you know, one thing that these companies like BAP and ASC and MSC and these companies that provide assurances to people, we, we want to make sure that people know and the consumers know that we are continuing to do that. This virus is not causing as much of a disruption in regard to the production of seafood. The seafood is still safe. The seafood is still being raised responsibly if they have these certifications. And so those assurances are still there. This is an issue of people and society, and it's having the biggest impact when it comes to the way that businesses can continue to run when people are impacted. And so I just wanted to put that context around things. And, uh, you know, we want to make sure that people are still comfortable buying and eating seafood because, you know, you got to eat during these times and people need to know that the food is safe. It's the people that are being impacted the most. So, And seafood is really good for your immune system. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the health benefits before, but, you know, the, it, it's just something that didn't come up in the conversation that I thought of later that I really wish we could have, have spoken to. But there's a lot of good stuff in here. So I hope you guys enjoy it and we'll talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia Podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. We are back sitting down again with friend of the show, Jennifer Bushman. How's it going, Jen? Thanks for joining us two days in a row. I know. Thank you so much for having me. It's great. We're making, we're doing all the best we can, right? Certainly mm-hmm. are. Doing what you got to do, you know? Where uh, normally we'd be, right now we'd be huddled in our booth at Cena, looking, uh, you know, being, having giant uh, 20 foot polar bears looming down on us from the booth next door. But uh, right now we're all in the comfort of our own homes staying safe and staying healthy and continuing to get stuff done. So we appreciate you taking some time out of your day or keeping the time out of your day to talk to us. Um, yeah. About- I mean, that was, that was kind of our feeling too, was just keep it going as if we were in Boston, you know, continue to continue and look forward to seeing everybody next year. Yeah. I mean, this is certainly a disruption. This, this virus that's, you know, it's a global disruption for everyone. And, uh, you know, we saw that you jumped on it very quickly, kind of when Cena was canceled. You you hit the ground running as soon as that happened. And when I say canceled, I mean postponed. I know it, it's, it could still happen. But, right. um, <laughs> but I wanted to talk to you about, you know, 
the big thing that you kind of came out with as soon as that announcement came out, um, which is the no no fish. What is it? No show. Yeah, no show fish show. No show fish show. <laughs> I had it. I had it right before we started the no the no show fish show, and we were reading about that. And you 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 emailed us a little bit of information about it uh, and kind of the history behind it. So let's let's talk about it. What uh, what is the no show fish show? Well, we, that was quite a week, you know, the week that the, all the shows got canceled. I was on Monday of that week, um, ready to go to the natural products expo West, the booth. We, I was doing one of my clients, Quarry Arctic and Corbion were doing a booth there on the show floor. And I was 13 hours away from flying down and the booth was already built. I mean, it was on oh the ground, gosh. ready to go, and they made the call to cancel that show. So went ahead and pivoted to whatever those recovery points were for, you know, cancel travel, get somebody down there to pick up the fish, make some sales calls, you know, all of those things that you just need to do to fix it rather than just kind of bail, right? right. And then uh, we think we're recovered and and continuing to be committed to Cena while we were all on pins and needles. I think we were all waiting. And then Wednesday, 1236 Pacific, Diversified sends out the email that it's going to be canceled or postponed, as you said. And and so my feeling was right away was, you know, we had worked so hard um, with all of my clients to have a really robust schedule of meetings and uh, tastings and bringing in chefs in Quarry Arctic's case, you know, Chef Adrian Cheatham from Top Chef. We had a lot of big plans. And, and so I thought, why do we need to just walk away from all of that hard work. And so immediately, I mean, by, by one o'clock, I started calling everybody. I think I wrote you, I mean, all of us and just said, we're moving forward and we'll bring in people virtually and we'll connect. And so as I started to talk about that with the teams that I work with, Bill Hewitt, who is the Eastern sales manager for Quarry Arctic, he said, you know, in the 60s and 70s and the old days in the, on the East Coast, we didn't do all of these shows and all of these conferences. You know, we're kind of show and conference heavy right now, I think. There are a lot of them when you think about how we interact in every industry. And they're almost necessary to attend if you want to be successful in the industry right now. And exactly. And even even the tech companies that are great at doing virtual events and virtual meetings and all of that, they still go to things like the game conferences and, and all of that GDC and, and um, the, all of that. So I was like, how is it that we have gotten so dependent on those and what can we do? And Bill said, well, in the old days, the vendors would actually, they would print flyers, they would um, figure out what, what uh, products they want to put on special, and they would make phone calls or they would go door to door and they called that effort on the top of the sheet, the flyer they would pass out, the no-show food show. And he said, you should do a no-show fish show. And, and so as this evolved throughout the afternoon and we were trying at first, um, we were trying to do something in Boston that would be a virtual experience in a hotel room. So I, I had reserved a suite in a hotel and we were going to build it out just like the booth and then do everything virtually with uh, an eight foot screen and, um, and, uh, you know, everybody there, but with all of our meetings, but sitting there. And then very quickly we realized, you know, travel was going to be an issue. And so then we, we just moved it all virtually. So I, I asked the um, industry publications to help me. I pulled one of my uh, a graphic designer that I work with that consults with me to do a to do an actual um, graphic design kind of logo for it, and we decided to put it on LinkedIn just because I it's just where I have the most industry connections. 
Mm-hmm. So we put, we decided to wait and then we got all of our ducks in a row. We made sure that everybody I'd worked with, we'd reached out and we kind of embargoed it. The sea sirens. I don't know if you've heard of that group of women that work in fish mm-hmm. and seafood. It's a, it's an old school, you know, group that's been in fish and seafood for a long time. I reached out to them on WhatsApp and I said, Monday's our day. We're going to launch no show fish show. Christine blank from seafood source had the embargoed story and we were off and running. Yeah. Great. So is it, it's still happening as we as we speak? Yes. I mean, my feeling was No Show Fish Show wasn't a replacement to the Boston Seafood Show. It was really a way for us to stay connected and potentially maybe even be able to change the way we do business because I don't mean completely. We're always going to need to have that face-to-face interaction. But for some reason in fish and seafood, it still is like the old school sales model where we fly, we go, we take people out to dinner, we have a few cocktails, we go in in the morning, we have our fish in a bag, you know, we pull out our wares, we hope they pick it up. Up and then we move on. My hope is too that it would inspire us. Like the things that are happening, the things that have happened in the last two days in terms of creating connection. I mean, Quarry Arctic. You you were with Alf Gore, and how cool was it to have him there? You knew he was on the island, on the farm. We're going to continue to create those experiences. I don't know that we would have thought of that before this. No, unless you have to. And now yeah. we have to. Now we have. Yeah, to. I feel like it was. It made that much more of an impact knowing that Alf was there on the island while we were talking to him too. It kind of gives even more of a personal touch to the conversations. And also, I mean, if we think about it, so part of it is time zone, but you'll watch and see, we're going to be doing things with him from the farm because there's a good internet service out on the farms. We could actually do an interview and he'd have the fish and the mountains and the snow and all that stuff in the background. I will probably now on key meetings, utilize him on all of those. And and I think that um, what I found most companies were doing, and I I don't work with a lot of companies. You know this. I try to keep my work pretty small and Mm -hmm. um, impactful where I can. So it's not like I had two dozen clients to reach out to. But what I found was almost everybody, when the show got canceled, it was just like they just wiped their hands, canceled their airplane reservations and their hotel, and then like kind of figured they'd figure it out. That was really surprising to me that um, we didn't think about how we were going to pivot. And especially now that um, the food service industry is in such dire straits, how are we pivoting to not just make sure that fish gets in country and gets from point A to point B, not just the logistics, but it's how are we continuing to stay connected? So I'll give you one example really quickly. There's a large hotel group. It's an international hotel group that I've worked a little bit with, just, you know, kind of tendentially, just very high level. And, um, and they are going to keep their chefs on staff. Right. Because, I mean, if you're a really large hotel group, you're not just going to release everybody, probably going to release your hourly wage employees and things. But your chefs, you're going to figure out what to do with them. And we are going to do deductive virtual tastings with Chef Adrian Cheatham with their whole group. So we'll send fish ahead. We have written kind of what look like master sommelier notes, like if you took the sommelier test, that are all around um, kind of how we how we navigate the conversation for them in their kitchen. So they'll have a whole fish. Chef Adrian Cheatham will be there. We'll have all from the farm, and then we'll overlay that with an actual tasting together. And boom, that's impact. By the time they come back into business we'll already be well ahead of the game without having stopped our sales efforts. Yeah, it's like almost nothing has changed. 
Almost. <laughs> Almost. I mean, the big issue now is food service versus retail, but, but um, watch in the coming days. I just haven't had quite enough time to, to pivot on the retail side, but we also will get there because, you know, I'm hearing numbers are staggering in terms of um, increase of retail sales, you know, in the fish and seafood case, in some cases, 70%. Wow. And remember that total retail sales in fish and seafood normal grocery store is one to 2% of sales Um, in places like Heinen's where they have a very robust fish and seafood program. You know, they're based out of Ohio and out of Illinois. It's about five to 6%. And I'm hearing numbers of 70% in fish and seafood cases with other retailers. Wow. Wow. Why do you think that is? Because it's pandemic pantry. Mm-hmm. Everybody is stocking up and figuring out what they want to keep on hand. And, you know, I know Linda Cornish from Seafood Nutrition Partnership and others are saying, this is our moment. We've historically eaten fish and seafood primarily out in restaurants. We've now heard that um, 46% of those of those fish and seafood items are being brought in the home. So they're being made outside of the house, but being brought in through DoorDash or Caviar or through, you know, deli takeaway to go. And we're seeing a really big opportunity here to show people how to cook and connect where they are. And I mean, I've been at this a really long time. I, uh, a, a long time ago, wrote a series of cookbooks called the Kitchen Coach mm-hmm. series, and it was all about cooking at home and stocking the pantry. And when I did that um, post a couple of days ago about how to stock your pantry, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling back into the, yeah. into the weeds of my head, you know, from yeah. what we were talking about years ago. But families are going to be home. They're going to be home with their children. Uh, in, Cal- in Northern California, where I am, we're only allowed to go out if we go to the drugstore or we go to the grocery store. Wow. So people are going to be cooking at home. There you go. Jeez. We have to see this as uh, instead of pushing the panic button, it's doing exactly what you're doing, which is – how do we make this into an opportunity? I mean, if we can not skip a beat, that's ideal, but we know that there's going to be some instances where things will have to change a little bit. But if we are seeing consumers bringing home more of this product, like where's our opportunity to market, to teach, to get them comfortable? Because maybe um, this is the opportunity that we didn't see happen where it's going to change what people are bringing to their house. And if we can prepare them and make them comfortable, then when all of this blows over, maybe we have set ourselves to a different place than we weren't uh, prior to all that happening. Yeah, there's always a silver lining. Huh? I think I think it's this incredible opportunity to be better at driving content. I mean, I've already been on um, three Instagram lives and I hadn't even I didn't even know how to do it prior to Sunday, you know, I was kind of like, how does this thing work? And so you're on, you're on uh, Facebook live right now, just so you know, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but you know what I mean? I, 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 I mean, that's sort of silly. Of course I'd used IG stories and, and posted things, but I just hadn't gone on live and I definitely hadn't done it where I'd had a guest on. And, and all of a sudden I was thinking to myself, wow, this gives us such an opportunity to, to, to build content. And I think we all are going to be these incredible content producers to get information out there, but also just to see you here virtually where, you know, I might've just called it in and then see your faces and, and connect in that way. I am, um, I'm just incredibly grateful. And I think that we, we do have an opportunity and we, w- and it will change the way we do business. I mean, think of, think of all of the carbon offsets, you know, that we're getting right now by yeah. not flying, Seriously. you know, and what does that, and Seriously. what does that say? But there's something else um, that I do want to mention. And that is that we all have an opportunity here. Yes, we have to sell our fish. We are saving money 
kind of. I mean, in, in a way, if you think about it, we're not out spending as much money. And, um, and as a company, we're not, you know, companies, we're not spending as much money. Yes, we're not making as much money. But things like um, higher cargo rates, things like, um, you know, uh, lowering your prices, I think that this is the time to sort of take those margins off the table, support, live where people are, get your fish here, um, and and just, just continue to move forward. Forward. And then, and then we can reassess and, and then figure out, you know, how do we, does business look different? It probably will after this. That's probably a good thing in some, to some extent, but there are ways in which we can get by. Yeah. I know where we were talking this morning about what kind of what we should be doing as an outreach team at GAA and talking about uh, trying to increase our presence on social and, and digitally. Um, you know, we need to start coming up with some newer ideas to, to have more of an online presence because that's where everyone is right now. Everyone is is digital. Everyone's virtual. So yeah, that's, you know, that's some of the stuff we're brainstorming. We were going to do a couple webinars and stuff, but it's hard to pull this stuff together, you know? Oh my gosh. I, it, my goodness, it is. And it's, and certainly what we had planned, which was all of these back-to-back meetings on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, just shifting, and then just needing the headspace to figure the rest out. Because I don't know about you guys, but you need to have a little bit of time to be able to say, oh, that's a really great idea, or I should reach out to so-and-so. So So I'm kind of, right now, What there there are a few things I, I feel like are really important. One is, at this point, there isn't any competition. It doesn't matter, you know, as long as you're ethically rearing your fish, as long as you're ethically catching it, as long as you're doing the best you can, we are not competing against one another. We have to come together as an industry. We've talked about this for a long time. Is no show fish show that way? You know, are you willing to come out and say, hey, I'm looking to do virtual meetings or more importantly, you know, how am I solving problems? Because maybe, for example, um, Marcy Bemmler from uh, Candor Seafood, they rented a cargo plane together um, with a number of other partners to be able to get fish in. So it's, I just think that there's some opportunity here to be collaborative and who better to do it than GAA? Because no matter what I do, someone's going to think I have, you know, I'm asking for more skin in the game on this. I'm really not. I mean, I've spent a lot of money, all of the social posts, everything that you've seen, I've invested more in it personally. And remember that for me, socially, it's a very different agenda because I'm not I, I want water farmers, I want these ethical aquaculturists to to be to have their voices be heard and I'm not but I'm not trying to gain anything financially from any of this. I just I'm just trying to get out there and say this is our this is an opportunity and help me be more articulate. Tell me what you're doing because I certainly don't have all the answers either. Right. So Maddie, what what are some of the uh, things that we're doing during this uh, little self-quarantine period where we're all all working remotely? Well, a lot of our a lot of my focus as GA marketing specialist this week is to be pushing a lot of content out on social and focusing on things that people can do while they're working from home and now that they have this extra time maybe they're not commuting to the office or maybe they have meetings that got canceled so they have extra time in their day and a great thing that people can do during that time is professional development. And we have a lot of resources on our website for people to utilize for professional development, ranging from The Advocate, which is our online news publication, which has 
all different kinds of stories that most of them are timeless going back 10 years because it's not focused on current news. It's more focused on stories and research and developments, technology advancements, that kind of stuff. So that's a huge resource. It's a great resource for like producers and practitioners. Exactly. Um, Because it's in the weeds. Yeah. And another thing that we have, which Sean and Justin know a lot about, is our Global Aquaculture Academy, which has a number of different courses focusing on social responsibility, animal welfare, food safety, all kinds of different things that people can take some time out of their day to learn about. We also have a number of blog posts, obviously podcast episodes, and Another thing, as we were just talking about how people are going to be cooking at home a lot more, we have quite a few recipes and ideas of how you can use seafood and new seafood ideas for you. So we'll link to all of that in the show notes. I know that that's a lot of stuff, but if you have extra time, then it's the perfect time to take advantage of it. Yeah. Justin and I are going to be spending a lot of time in the academy this week, but that's because we built it (laughs) and it's that's kind of our project. Um, So... What kind of responses are you seeing, Jen, out there? You know, we, we know what you've been doing. We saw you jump on things very quickly, but what right. what kind of responses are you seeing from other companies that are facing this? Because there's a lot of different ways you can attack this. Oh my gosh, most definitely. I mean, I think so. From the NGO perspective, um, it's 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 easy, um, a little bit easier because, as Maddie said, it's contextual. So these webinars, the um, uh, moving all the panels, there were a number of panels that people that I knew were going to be on at Cena that are now moving into webinars that'll be coming in the future. For example, like the James Beard Foundation, they've put a lot of time into Smart Catch, but right now they're kind of in crisis mode with their um, with their restaurant partners and with their chefs. So it's really, I think, important for us as a fish and seafood industry to watch what they're doing and chime in. It may not seem like it's directly connected, but if you're there listening to what the chef is there, that's a webinar happening tomorrow. If you're interested in listening, then maybe as a food and efficient seafood provider, you can provide a solution. So I, so I'm looking at some of those things. I think that's really important beyond just education. Some of these things are actually just in crisis mode and figuring out how they're working with that. Rick Bayless, for example, is a chef that's in Chicago. He's been part of Seafood Watch's Blue Ribbon Task Force. He is um, working on a task force that is working with the state government to figure out rent abatement and payroll tax um, uh, cuts and things like that to just keep the restaurant community afloat while they're closed. So I think as fish and seafood providers, we need to be aware of, we never do it. We've worked very much in a silo. And so I can't express enough how important it is that you be aware of all of your restaurant chef buyer partners get immersed in this retail world. What are the issues that they're having rather than just thinking about, you know, thinking internally, what can we do just to get fish from one place to another and cargo and all that start to really think outward facing about what everybody else is dealing with and how at this time fish and seafood can start to provide a solution. So that's one way that I'm, you know, starting to look at that. And I'm seeing that specifically outside of fish and seafood that they're starting to pivot. 
The other thing is there are organizations, companies that are starting to take more virtual meetings. That seems easy, but it's actually not. They're really focusing on that, doing more than just reaching out into their Rolodex and saying, hey, can I get you more fish because now I have a discounted price, that they're actually starting to create more content. So you'll start to see um, Marcy Bemeler actually had a, um, something with BAP and it was they were gonna they were gonna host a series of meetings at Cena and I know they're moving that to virtual so that they can have those conversations with their producer partners. So I think it's you know those are just a couple of examples of things that we know we have to do, but I really suggest that people start to look at fish and seafood as a piece in this entire food and beverage puzzle and how do we now sort of insert ourselves at a time when we know that we can get we can get good fish and seafood in. There are always with cargo now going to be some producers and some regions that are gonna have a very difficult time because of the fewer passenger planes that are flying. But what I'm hearing is these ghost flights are gonna make up the difference in cargo. And actually with passengers, a passenger plane can only ship about 20 metric tons of cargo, but without it can ship 60 metric tons. And with air being a vital, important part of our transportation world, but also, frankly, you know, looking at airlines always running on these very small margins, you know, and the very real possibility that if people aren't traveling and we're not figuring out a way to pivot, that airlines could go out of business. This is just another way to figure out how to get good food to the regions of the world that we need to get it while also supporting another industry not going out of business. So when you say ghost flights, you're talking about just flights that would normally be going, but not taking passengers, they're just taking cargo, correct? They'll just add more cargo. That's what I figured. Just wanted to clarify, make sure I understood that correctly. So. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation about that now if you haven't heard about it already. Yeah, I've, I've heard it get tossed around a bit, but I just wanted to make sure that I've, I really understood what that actually meant. And that makes perfect sense. Um, it sounds like in the big picture, in the grand scheme of things, seafood seems to be doing okay, uh, handling this pretty well. Do you have any insight on how seafood is doing in regards to some of the other proteins, like the more terrestrial proteins? Um, mm. is, are, is beef and chicken, are they having a lot harder time uh, or is it easier for them to deal with this? Have you noticed or are you not really in that world? I mean, it, it, there was always an advantage because the majority of beef and chicken came from the U.S. Right. And yeah. trucking routes are still, you know, are still going. The issue for any company is going to be what was the balance between food service customers that you had and retail customers that you have and, you know, how quick can you pivot? Because that's the, um, you know, that's going to really be the issue is how fast can they move to support retail? And if there's enough supply in the supply chain, you know, they're going to be in really good shape. I think that's the moment. And, and I don't know what's happening with buyers. I know, I mean, I heard numbers like, you know, just in Northern Nevada alone, Northern Nevada and California, Safeway was hiring 2,000 more people oh, to wow. stock the shelves. Amazon is um, hiring another 100,000 yes. people. So if, if you have work, go help them. You know, I mean, if, if, if anybody is short on work and we do have a lot of suppliers that are affected because they're not supporting, they can't support their food service clients. You know, it's not to say it's not going to be difficult. It is, but you can support your workers by figuring out a way for them to find work and have a placeholder before they come back in. And then you can, meanwhile, with your executive team, the team that is not going to, or is not going to get laid off or can weather not being paid, um, they can be doing work for you, I believe, to find other resources because the shelves are empty from CVS pharmacy to Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. 
So we all have a role to play in making sure that our goods get there. And if I'm hearing somebody doesn't have work, I'm like, fine, go help them stock the shelves in the middle of the night at Safeway. Right. You know, for now, we have to do what we can to get by. Yeah, for sure. And in a twisted kind of way, like you said, that's caused such an increase in um, in seafood purchasing, seafood consumption, because people are stocking with whatever they can get. I think that that's exactly right. It, um, I think that the shelves are the shelves have to be stocked. I, we know that there's plenty of fish and seafood out there. And I think that, you know, my goal would be, remember in the U.S. we're at a little bit of a disadvantage because so much fish and seafood is coming from outside of the outside of the United States. But there are solutions. I mean, obviously we have fisheries that are very, very robust that can supply fish and seafood to the U.S. The other thing is um, Riverance. You know, I think about Riverance Trout, you know, this, this beautiful company. They've just acquired Clear Springs. There's plenty of fish and it's relatively close. Pacifico striped bass, we were having a conversation about Pacifico and one of the things that we were talking about was that it may not be Bronzino from Greece now that you're bringing in, but they can fill the gap on the whitefish. So I, you know, yeah. it's there, there's enough, there's enough there. You just, you're going to have to be flexible about it. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to be a little bit more creative and we're going to have to be more flexible. And as long as those fish and seafood cases are full and there's plenty of backstock, you know, and frozen too. frozen is going, I, you know, I, I've talked for a long time about frozen being the new fresh. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, 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 you know, retail customers and others have been, especially food service have been really resistant to putting out there that they're carrying frozen. But, you know, in a lot of cases, it's, it's fresher than fresh and, and cargo ships are moving and you can get a lot of fish here. So frozen is probably the new fresh. And, and if, if you look at what some of the retailers are doing, they're, they are buying container loads of fish coming into the U.S. to, to stockpile. And right now, frozen is the way to go because if people are trying to load up those pantries and those freezers with food, like you're not going to go out it's and perfect. buy a fresh salmon fillet. You're going to get something that's frozen and can can last you a while that you can eat three weeks from now, or you know, to make sure that you have everything that you need for a while, so you don't need to go out and into into public. <laughs> Right. That's exactly it. I mean, uh, how much can you store? You know, if, if you listen to the government and the CDC, they're saying don't raid the grocery stores. There's no reason to. There's plenty of food out there. Um, that's all true. I think as a fish and seafood industry, you know, we have to support where we can. I'm ending every single phone call with what kind of help can we give you? There are going to be food, you know, I anticipate that there are going to be food needs for people who aren't working. I'm already trying to figure out things like the school lunch program, because mm -hmm. part of this, you know, when we think about these kids that were at school because they needed, I mean, they were at school, but they also need to be fed. It might have been the only meal of the day that they had at school. You know, I encourage everyone to reach out to their school districts and ask what they can do to support fish being part of that program. I mean, I, I think that the kids will eat it if it's good. And are there is there a way where we can get those those noodles, <laughs> you know, talk to Thai Union yeah, about yeah. get the noodles yeah, yeah. Into, oh, yeah. into, into the schools or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was impressed that uh, our school district is maintaining the – anyone who gets free or reduced – lunch there's maintaining the program but they have organized a delivery service to get every kid who is part of that program still fed every day so it's just amazing how quickly people were putting on these thinking hats and, and finding ways around uh, the current situation yeah and i've seen drive up 
you know, because that's relatively safe where the parents come up and they just sort of throw a bag of stuff in the car. And I've done a lot of work with um, the Northern Nevada Food Bank and, and, you know, the best thing you can do because the food banks have the ability to negotiate some of the most amazing prices on food is just to donate to your food bank right now. Yeah. It's it's almost more important than making a donation of product. So if a company can reach out to the food banks, find out what they need. You know, most of us can manage and even volunteer and stay healthy if that's allowed. You know, right now in California we can't um, do that, but in Northern California. But I think that there are ways in which we can help that we probably aren't thinking of as we're just I don't know. I just resist the urge to sort of take it as a vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would, would like to reach out to our listeners if anyone's listening to this and they can think of any ways that they can help with someone or we can help to please reach out to us, uh, podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. We are here looking for ways to support the industry because that's what we do. That's what our that's what our company, why our company exists really. So, you know, I want to see if we can get in contact with some of the listeners that could use help or would like to find ways that they can help as well. And I know that you, you're on that train. So, Well, I just want everybody to get on No Show Fish Show um, on LinkedIn and tell us. Because part of the this really catching, and, it, and again, it's for not, nothing selfish. It's that if we're all watching and if you see who has already joined to follow, there are some pretty impactful people there. They may be too busy right now to be posting and telling us what they have going on. But how do we do it if the information doesn't flow? Right. And so, you know, you see Jose Andres out there. He flies into into, you know, the Bay Area. He's out, you know, across from the cruise ship, feeding people there on the cruise ship. But if I were to try to reach their organization, they they can't take fish and seafood from us. So, you know, and, and as a brand, well, would I like to be affiliated with World Central Kitchens? Absolutely. Like, but that's still kind of putting the brand before what is really needed, which is that there are a lot of people out there that aren't afraid, that are going to really create solutions. And, and I, I'm thinking about hospitals. You know, this is one of the places where, you know, you've got a lot of large food service providers, Compass, Aramark, and others that are the ones that feed our hospitals, and so I think about how important it would be if you have any connections in the hospital sector, you know, get more fish and seafood to them. They, they, we need to make sure that those caregivers and, and hospital workers, doctors, nurses, everyone in that ecosystem is healthy. And there are things that we can do about that, whether it's, you know, it's probably not a salmon donation, but it's, but, you know, but if, if we can get good, healthy fish and seafood to them and support those chefs that are, you know, that are still working, that are feeding them, you know, don't buy, don't buy masks, don't hoard um, prescriptions, you know, all of these things that will help us get people through this. I think that, um, you know, we, we've seen even in China that you can change the tide. And if anyone hasn't seen it, there was this fantastic article in the Washington Post that was yesterday that sort of tracked, basically what it was, was a tracker of infection. And it shows how if you're staying in place, how quickly you can curb something like this. It's fascinating. They sort I of, saw and, that. You know, did you see it? Yeah, yeah I, I didn't see that and I missed it. Wow. Super I mean, it powerful. was if, for anybody who, and I don't want to make it a blue and red issue, but the stats suggest that the states that are democratic like California are making changes faster and harder changes to curb this issue than the red states. 
And, um, and so if you can, if I can speak to anybody in, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, you know, anywhere where you think it's still just okay to be out and about, read that article because it's, um, it's really important right now for us to be super diligent and keep this from happening where it could potentially collapse our medical system. And I think fish and seafood can play a role in that for sure, because we provide good nutritious food that is needed right now, I think at a time when, you know, we have to figure that the body is going to react in a lot of different ways. And when people aren't well fed, and they're and they're tired and stressed, they um, are more susceptible to a disease like this. Justin, your wife works in the hospital system. Um, has she said anything to you? And if not, no big deal. But has she said anything to you about like what's going on in regards to feeding the people at the hospitals and stuff like that? Is there Has there been any impact on that end that she's talked about? Uh, not really. I think, I mean, I don't want to get too far off, off track, but I think to Jen's point, f- feeding isn't an issue currently. Uh, Maine is a relatively... There's not a lot of cases of the COVID-19. Yeah. So, but the bigger question is we need to, as a country, follow some of these guidelines because if we're not and this does get out of control, then and this is the fear of hospital staff, is they're going to have too many patients to give adequate care to. Mm. Um, and we are, I mean, there's headlines out there about the limited medical supplies that already exist. And anyone who's trying not to pay attention to this and is just going out and about and not worrying about it, it's if that person gets sick and then tries to get good, normal health care at the hospital, they might not get it if this is already blown out of proportion just because of the, the lack of people working, uh, the lack of uh, facility space and all of that stuff. That's where this could get out of control. And I, mm. I think there's a, not a not a panic, but there is definitely a concern that if this does blow up because people aren't following these regulations that uh, the healthcare system is going to be in trouble. Yeah. And I think they need to be ready for that as much as they can. Cause at least in the U S I mean, the U S is a stubborn country, <laughs> you know, people are all don't they tread on their me. freedom. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, yeah, I anticipate that, uh, the stubbornness is going to come back and bite us, but you know, who knows? That's the other thing is it's this, there's the unknown that we're all facing. And, uh, I think the seafood industry has done well as a response and they're doing their part to, you know, adapt quickly and and continue to supply everyone with safe, healthy, responsible protein. So I'm proud of what we've done and I'm proud of what we are doing. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. I'm working from home with two little kids, <laughs> two, two kids under three that, uh, you know, we have to kind of wrangle them while we're trying to do our work as well. And I know that I'm one of millions of people that are doing that. So it's a hard thing to do, but I'm I'm pretty proud of what the seafood industry has done uh, in response to this. And that's a huge thanks and to And remember Jennifer. too, that we were delivering, we have to be so careful about food safety and handling anyway. Yeah. So, you know, we were already in, you know, highly, uh, you know, the facilities that we were in, you know, I mean, the hygiene, all of the, you know, all of the sanitation, kind of that sanitary protocol, um, you know, we were already doing because fish and seafood, uh, you know, at any given moment, we can have an issue in in fish and seafood. And so that's the good news is that we already kind of had trained our people. And I think, you know, I think about um, our cutters and drivers and, and may, you know, the distributors, the, the impact there, it's, you know, we know that 
that we have the efficiency food supply. We know that aquaculturists, the fish doesn't stop growing and it doesn't, you know, it's still going to need to be taken out of the water in some way, shape or form, right? Because Mm -hmm. we can't just sit on that stock. So, you know, figuring out solutions around freezing so that you can, maybe, maybe this is a good thing. You can figure out, you know, what are the specs and what's going to be important out in market. If you haven't really figured out a good freezing program for your company, now would probably be the time to do that. Have partners that can help you do that. I mean, in, in most areas where there's aquaculture, there's some processor that's doing freezing. So you can sort of start to stockpile yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's going to help in terms of just biomass management. And then the other thing is, um, you know, look at your fresh program and, and talk to the hospitals, talk to, talk to retailers and figure it out. So if, if whole fish isn't the way to sell it, you know, at retail, because whole fish is a bit of a, it's a bit intimidating. Maybe yeah, especially this is now in, the time the to West. get the buyer to pivot to fillets, skinless, boneless fillets that come in fresh. And yes, that's going to have a higher margin, but I mean a higher cost, but hopefully that will provide a solution that's going to get you just continuing to distribute fish. Yeah. Less wasted product as well. So. Right. Right. I think that that, I think that that is going to be, um, that's going to be the key to keeping everything going because otherwise on a farm, all you're going to be doing is, is putting more money into the water, into the feed to kind of keep things going. And we know the millions of dollars every single month that would have to be spent just to keep that biomass going until there's demand for it. Yep. And that's a big problem. So I think, and what I'm seeing in terms of orders are that there are going to be more and more orders for, um, for retail anyway around frozen. Well, especially since all the restaurants have to shut down temporarily. So, yeah. Right. That's exactly it. And, and groups like Santa Monica seafood where they can easily pivot and they do have good, um, vacuum sealed technology and, and freezer technology. So that's another really good one that can be helpful. Yeah. Well, we're coming up on, uh, 45 minutes or so. So, you know, as we said before, we time is precious, especially for you right now. You probably have another meeting directly after this one, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to hop on the phone with Fair Trade because Fair oh, Trade yeah. now is uh, Blake Stoke and, um, and Julie Kuchipatov are really again, this is a program that's expanding. It's really important. And I think that there were some of these projects that were like continuing that we want to continue to continue in this little bit quieter time. So if you have audits that need to be done, if you have bookkeeping that need to be done, if you're looking at doing other programs, hey, why not do it now? Yeah. And we're actually connected with Fair Trade as well. We need to reach back out to Julie to set up a time to get her on the podcast as well. But uh, I appreciate you making that connection for us and stuff. So it's all good. You know, we're we're doing what we can and adapting as as things change and they change daily. So I, I want to commend you for the great work that you're doing. You, you, yeah. You've been, um, you know, you, like I said, you hit the ground running and you haven't stopped. And we appreciate that from our end. And Same with you guys, too. We really appreciate it. And anything, anything that you need, I'm about to do a post next. Uh, in, I don't remember. I think it's this week, actually, that is basically reach out if you want some mentoring, you know, call me, join us, whatever that takes. Again, it's, it's going to be about all working together. Yep. yep. And that's it. And this is almost the thing that we all needed. You know, we talk a lot about joining forces and bringing, you know, working with uh, wild caught fisheries and aquaculture and bringing both sides together. And um, this is almost, you know, that's that's the first conversation that needs to happen before we get into seafood playing nicely with the other proteins. And so this is almost the little kick in the butt that we all need to force us to work together. So, you know, there's a there's a silver lining to everything, like I said earlier. So 
uh, let's take advantage of that and keep the industry moving forward. Do you guys have anything else for Jen before we uh, wrap up? Are, are you okay if we link the uh, No Show Fish Show in the show notes? Mm-hmm, definitely. Okay. And I sent you the um, all the background and the logos. And I've I've even got some fun photos of people now in the industry. It would be fun if you guys did it where you'll, you probably will see, but I'm just holding a piece of cardboard. It says No Show Fish Show mm-hmm. on it and, and just getting everybody to do that. And we're just going to post all the faces of everyone and what they're doing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we'll we'll do that for sure. So if you have a marker and a piece of cardboard, send me a photo of yourself holding holding a sign that says hashtag no show fish show. We will definitely sure. do that. Cool, that would be awesome. Or post it up post it up on uh, on the LinkedIn. That'd be great. Okay, definitely. Sounds good. All right. I was. I really appreciate it. Appreciate you. seeing you and being a part of the, all of this. Oh, well, yeah. Appreciate your time and from yesterday and today, and this is great content. And we try not to timestamp any of our episodes. This one. Um, it's a little bit timestamped just given the current situation, but mm-hmm. I think the content and all the action steps that we that our listeners can take from this episode is going to be great. For sure. Let me know if we need to do something that isn't, but um, at least for right now, that was that's sort of the context that we were working in around the, the Boston Seafood Show. But I think we're going to be dealing with this for the next couple months. The more active, Maddie, the more active you can get the the aquaculture community around this the better shape they're going to be in and on the back end i have no doubt so um and we're not seeing a lot of that engagement left i think they're just worried about the fact that sales aren't happening but they're not being really proactive and thinking out of the box and i think it's time that we all work together to encourage it and to do that and 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 if there are examples of it you know put it mm-hmm. out there so that they can continue to inspire or maybe light a little fire under some of the others. Cause we know yeah. there it's a pretty competitive set. Yes, definitely. Is. Maddie, did you have something that you wanted to say earlier? I was just going to say, make sure that you join the no show fish show LinkedIn group, because I'm sure the conversation is going to continue to grow after this week. And after the no show fish show is over, because like you said, it's such a great group of people that are already on there and it's going to continue to grow. And, I'm sure new ideas and opinions will come through there and continue to do so. So definitely join it. Most definitely. So no show fish show in perpetuity, never meant to replace the Boston seafood show, but just to give us that virtual way to, to move forward. So. Awesome. And as we said earlier, all of this stuff is going to be linked in the show notes. So if anything that we talked about today piques your interest, make sure you click on that and follow us on social media, follow Jen on social media, again, all in the show notes. And then if you have any questions or responses to some of the stuff we talked about or recommendations on how we can help, please let us know. Podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much, Jen. We yeah, really appreciate Jen. it. And we'll thank talk you so to you much. soon. We'll, we'll stay in touch. Yeah. Well, I love being a part of our little fishy world here. So thank you for letting me being, including We love having you on. So thank you for joining us again. Also, I think that you are the first guest to come on the show two times. No, that's just madness. Is that, is that right? I mean, Elise has been on, Elise has been on a couple of times. Molly's been on a couple of times, but those are internal people. So, So yeah, you may be the first external, you definitely the first guest to come on three times. Oh, yeah. Technically <laughs> three. Technically three. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. And reach out at, um, if you need anything, even if it's just a call and chat. So I'm here. You know where I'll be. Yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> Same with us. Same with us. Yeah. yeah. Feel free to reach out to us as well. Yeah.